Hello everyone, hope everyone is high and happy. My name is Oistan and we are here today with episode 2 of the Cannabis Maker. I am here with my partner, best friend and awesome guy. Hi guys, my name is Liam. I'm also here with Nordic Curve Zone. We are doing the Cannabis Maker Podcast episode 2 and on today's episode... Shit, we have a lot of guests for you today. We are talking with Laura Hamilton about hemp and CBD beverages. We'll be talking with Scott from Bloom Mary Jane about CBD bath bombs. Jason from TNT Extractions about all that's going on in the extraction space. We got Rick talking about some water-soluble CBD. Alex Martin from Lemonati Family Farms and what the hottest strains are right now. We have Adam Kurtz with Fusion CBD based out of Oregon and working in New York State. We have Caroline Sullivan, who is a cannabis marketing consultant and advising on cannabis beverages. We got Corey, founder and director at Resonate Cannabis up in BC. We have Pamela Staley, who is a certified horticulturalist and a true OG of cannabis. We're joined as well by Forzana, one of the longest continuing prescribed UK cannabis patients and G. Williams, founder and editor in the UK cannabis space. I'm absolutely excited to get this one started. How's it going this morning, Laura? I am a cannabis educator here in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, But previous to that, I worked in the financial world for about 17 years. And in the course of my career in finance, my sister and I were looking for a retirement property And we weren't really interested in anything like Florida or anything in North America. We were looking in uh, places in Europe and we started looking in the south of Italy because that's where my great grandfather was born. And um, I really enjoy Italian food. So why not retire somewhere where you have a bit of a family connection and the food is awesome. And my sister and I investigated buying some real estate in Calabria. And we started off initially trying to find uh, like a place by the beach and what have you. And uh, we had a really interesting real estate agent who said, yeah, yeah, well, you know, by the beach is nice, but if you're looking for something interesting, um, I've got this property that's been for sale for about five years. And I think you could, do something special with it. And even though it was absolutely not what we were looking for, we ended up going to the property and seeing it and fell completely in love. And I'll try and post a picture so that you know what I'm talking about. Um, And this farm um, was a small, it's about 12 and a half acres. We ended up purchasing and it has olive trees on there. Um, It's about 12 and a half acres. Um, I think about six of it used to be a vineyard, um, but nothing's grown on that property for at least 50 years. And nobody's put any sort of, uh, you know, chemical fertilizer on it because the people who owned it were really poor. So I know that this land is really gorgeous. And I think in perfect uh, hemp growing um, uh, conditions... And um, I'm not interested in grapes. So when I think about this property that we've purchased and we've got all of this acreage and I'm in the cast space, 
all I can think about, how do I lift this off the ground, uh, get the investment, uh, get the support from somebody, because I can't do it on my own. Like, let, let's face it, I just can't do it on my own. Um, but I do have uh, the, the, the um, olive oil kind of process um, kind of already done. Uh, we have people that look after the land while I live here in Toronto. And, uh, but we do have the supply of olive oil that I also want to kind of get into the cannabis space with just because I know it's a high quality olive oil. So I wear many hats. Hopefully that wasn't too, uh, too much of a wall of words, but that's basically where I'm at. I've got this property in Calabria. I want to uh, utilize it in the cannabis space and I have no idea where to start other than I already had a talk with my lawyer who says that I don't have to um, kind of talk to the uh, local commune about growing hemp there because it is a legal product. Um, so I don't have to worry about that wall of uh, bureaucracy in Italy. But um, other than that, like, I'm so glad you invited me here. And I would love to figure out steps going forward or take some advice or whatever. So thank you. No, Laura, thank you so much for coming in. I know we've had some conversations before about this, and I, I really appreciate you sharing it as well, because this is a way now that we can get some more people in on this and have some more people see what's going on. Because like you said, a lot of people in the cannabis space are looking where to go, what to do next. And the opportunity that you have is great because you're already looking at combining it with an existing product. You're looking at something that's already there and you're not looking at starting from ground zero. And, th and that's something that is, is really something advantageous. You've already spoken to the lawyer, which is something that so many people in this industry struggle with to get an, a professional legal opinion that they can actually trust and go by, you know? So that's, that's really some amazing steps that are already in there. And I'm sure that David in here as well can can add a lot of value to what you've got going on because of the way that he's been working with online, getting everything working on payment providers and stability and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at using hemp for hemp oil, right? So looking at growing that in there, and then what what are you thinking about here? Because we're seeing a lot of people trying to develop products in the cannabis space, and, and one place it's really going is the food and beverage side, right? I understand understand that I might be a little kind of ahead of the game in terms of the food and beverage side because I think the industry is pretty new for someone like me to come out going hey instead of just worrying about the uh, fact that it's hemp infused why don't you worry about the fact that it's premium olive oil and it's for your foodie along with getting your you know CBD content so I think that I'm a bit premature for that in terms of how the market is in, for example, Europe, for example. Um, but that's what I envision is that the edibles part portion of the cannabis industry, at least from what I can see here in uh, Canada, which is a bit further ahead along in the cannabis game, um, the edibles market is definitely going to be a way that a lot of new cannabis users want to get into using CBD. And they don't necessarily want to have a piece of chocolate or have a gummy. They want something that can accommodate their lifestyle rather than having, them, having themselves to have to accommodate to the limited products that are available, which is why I think that edibles 
uh, are definitely going to be a real explosive area in the cannabis industry once it kind of matures. Yeah, I think that's uh, an interesting approach to be taking on this side. And I like the way that you said, you know, we should be also focusing on the regular side and also looking at the olive oil that we currently have. It's not just like we can put hemp or cannabis and everything and make it better. Um, there's a lot of uh, inferior and shitty product out there and a lot of people who don't know what they're getting. Um, but this is, of course, mirrored in cannabis. So I think it's really, really cool and interesting that you bring that up. Maybe a little bit more of a specific question on, on what you're seeing in Canada at the moment, because I know we also have a lot of Canadians in the clubhouse space. Uh, a lot of them are doing some amazing stuff with pressing and washing hash and rosin and all of that on the clean extract side. But what are you guys really seeing in Canada at the moment? There is a real push for beverages as well. Uh, the, the fact that there could be a CBD infused beverage that you could consume at home. And I think that they're trying, like, there is a serious push for lounges because we don't have them here, at least in Ontario. There is no way for you to consume your cannabis other than in your home, really. There's no uh, adult space for lounges. So um, I think that going into the beverage end, the cannabis space is now saying, okay, look, if you're not going to allow us to uh, consume this now federally legal product, um, why can't you let us drink if we've got bars? So why can't I have a CBD product rather than something that's got vodka in it? So I think that beverages are going to be huge, huge, huge. I'm going to tap in here and say absolutely. And some beverages and cannabis beverages I want to see more of on the market now. It's, for example, iced coffees, lemonades. Uh, yeah, these kind of beverages because that's what I want to sip in the sun yeah. on a warm summer day. And if we can then also do, for example, not just CBD, that also takes away like the high for the people that also those THC uh, to also keep it more on the wide specter of cannabinoids uh, like THCV or CBDV or yeah any other cannabinoids boy scott maybe uh we could real quick because i have i have actually some questions to ask i saw on your story as well you were at the at noco at the hemp expo and uh there's some really interesting hemp wood there so i really want to ask you a question about that but real quick before we do that you want to just give us a quick lowdown on what you're doing with blue mary jane and what you got going on in the cbd industry quickly i i started a blog about a you know little about a year ago um during COVID, I, I lived in the event space for a long time selling event sponsorships and um, product placement, vendor booths at festivals and things like this. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I started uh, creating content. We had a global cannabis news, product reviews, and creative spotlights. So, you know, if you're a filmmaker, a musician, and you use cannabis, we wanted to uh, give you a platform to talk about how you use it in your creative journey. And I did that. Um, you know, we launched probably in May, and then we ran, I mean, the site is still that right now, but we've uh, been running that since May. Um, until currently, and then we're actually getting ready to redo the entire website um, to be a direct-to-consumer e-commerce platform because we decided in November to uh, partner up with the manufacturing facility and produce our uh, own 100-milligram uh, full-spectrum 
CBD bath bombs. We have a uh, six styles, fresh cut roses, uh, rosebuds, lavender, lavender buds, eucalyptus, uh, oat milk, and honey. And um, they've been selling really well. Um, you know, people are responding really well to our packaging. And yes, yeah, so I did that. And then we dropped the second um, product category, uh, skincare facial mask that, you know, we um, really got to create content with influencers. It was kind of like a, you know, it's really expensive to ship bath bombs um, to influencers. So we wanted to try to find something a little lighter. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure uh, if we'll keep them in through this current um, inventory batch, it's just depending on how they sell, but we're going to be hyper-focused on bath bombs and um, yeah, we're going to blow it up. You got to check out my Instagram um, you know, feed. You can see some of the pictures for our new brand identity. And yeah, that's uh, as far as Blue Mary Jane and the CBD stuff. And probably about two to three weeks max away from relaunching. Oh man, that is awesome. You guys definitely have a lot of stuff going on and yeah, really cool to hear. So that's uh, Blue Mary Jane and uh, I believe Strategic Scott on Instagram and Clubhouse, right? Uh, uh, we have an Instagram, um, Bloom underscore Mary Jane, um, for the you know for the brand as well. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, pretty much Clubhouse, uh, Instagram, Strategic Scott, Instagram, or, uh, Twitter, Strategic underscore Scott. But hey, awesome, man! Thank you so much, and thanks so much for sharing that as well. And now I got to get onto that question I have about Noco and the Hemp Expo and this hemp wood. Tell me about this hemp wood, man. That shit looked really, really sexy. You know, um, honestly, uh, you saw about as much as I did without actually being there. I was just kind of walking by. They were kind of busy. Um, so I don't have all the details, but I did tag their Instagram in my story. And I made the, the whole NoCo past two days, I made it a highlight on my Instagram. So if you just go click out the NoCo highlight reel, I see this is a recorded podcast. If like, you know, people are listening to this later, go to my Instagram, click the highlight, click on their, uh, the Hempwood um, underscore uh, and uh, check out what they're about. I don't um, have too much of the scientific details, but I'll tell you the stuff looked amazing. It felt amazing. It seemed really durable. Um, outside of that, I don't know if you had any specific questions, but I don't know how to answer the science or the processing behind what they were doing. But but yeah, they're definitely making a uh, hemp wood flooring and tables and chairs and all kind of uh, furniture out of hemp wood. Wow. That, yeah. Okay. That sounds right up my street as well. I love everything made of hemp and to see that going in that way is, is really, really cool. I'm going to take a moment here and say what's up to Jason from TNT Extraction. Want to give us a quick intro of what you're up to, Jason, what you got going on in the cannabis space uh, and what you're making. Sure. Sure. Uh, my name's Jason. I am the founder and lab director at TNT Extractions. Um, I started out on the traditional market, and uh, as of 2019, we started uh, getting our licenses and everything like that ready and building out here in Ohio and Maryland, and uh, hopefully uh, this year, I'll actually, in the next month or so, our lab should be up and running here in Ohio, and uh, then Maryland will be the next stop uh, for the next lab uh, for this year. Um, that's that's about it. I specialize in hydrocarbon extractions, um, BHO, PHO, mixture of both, ethanol, um, all kinds of extraction of the cannabis plant. Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Uh, just for people real quick as well who are listening later, where can they find you? Where are you based? I originally was based out of Colorado. I am now based out of Ohio. Um, we are building a lab here. Product should be ready the end of April. We should be rolling out here in Ohio. That's a nice one. We haven't seen, uh, you know, it's cool to hear from you guys as well because we haven't seen many over on the European side. 
uh, a lot of extractors or or much that really want to come out and talk about what they're doing it's all been pretty much hush hush for the past couple of years all happening behind closed doors in real big labs so uh, I'm wondering when we're gonna hear more from the EU side where do you guys think this is going because I mean a lot of people are only just discovering rosin a lot of people are only just discovering what maybe hash is or water hash or bubble hash or you know we see people coming to Amsterdam when I was working in the coffee shop they would come in and they would just be like do you have isolator do you have isolator so what are you seeing now as trends in the in the extraction industry sir the trends have been more towards solveless extraction recently um, and isolations of cannabinoids as far as on the solvent side. Um, we've been working on isolating cannabinoids and creating profiles um, to better help patients. Um, as far as uh, trends go, solventless seems to be the trend right now with, with, with rosin and stuff like that. Um, personally, I'm not the hugest fan is just because of purity and um, we're trying to get a pure product. So, I mean, that, that's my personal um, but I mean, rosin is, is definitely kicking ass out there, man. And it's, it, it's a great product. It's uh, but I mean, so, uh, trends are going more towards solvents. I mean, it has to do a lot with memes, man. It's crazy how, how much memes affect the, uh, the consumer market and what they choose to smoke just based on, uh, I guess, uh, funny, uh, memes on online, but definitely I've seen the trend towards more towards isolation of cannabinoids going that way, uh, on, on my field. Yeah, that's a that's an awesome uh, little take as well on what you're seeing going on. We're definitely seeing that over here in Europe more and more popping up. Um, but I think we still got a long way to go until the the common cannabis smoker over here moves on from the tobacco and Moroccan hash combo. Mr. Rick, how are you doing today, sir? Fine. How's everybody else? Doing just fine. We're coming to you from the south coast of Spain here at the moment on the Cannabis Maker Podcast. Do you want to take a moment and tell us about yourself, what you've got going in the cannabis space and what you're making? Well, um, um, currently I'm, I'm pretty much concentrating most of my attention at water-soluble um, products only because uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out you know, the best delivery system for the majority of users that, you know, can't smoke and, you know, they just don't want to do it too old or whatever. And I just want to make sure that everybody's being taken care of and that we're capable of delivering our product um, into the human body as best as we can. So that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We've definitely seen a big, big trend moving towards water-soluble, towards drinks, towards people who are interested in uh, starting up some drinks brands. I know there's people in Norway starting up with uh, CBD iced tea. Um, I know one of the guys here in the audience, Danny, as well, I saw on his story, he picked up some nice new, uh, I believe it was uh, Cure Leaf. We're doing the THC, the squeeze. Uh, little bottles thing so we're seeing a lot of beverage oriented focus at the moment we were talking about that with Laura as well just before you came in so big big hype on the on the beverage side could you give us a little bit of a breakdown for people in the audience maybe the people listening to the podcast as well what exactly is water soluble CBD how are you guys working with it and what are the possibilities water solubility comes you know it's try you know oil and so when you extract 
everything that's coming out of our plants is an oil-based product. So, um, so right there, oil, we all know oil and water do not mix. So there's pretty much like five tiers of water solubility that shows up. The first three being um, tiers that allow the oil to um, be suspended in water. So those would all be nano products and they allow the oil to be, um, they get a coating over the top of the, this is basic. I'm not going to get deep into science because we'll just lose. It, it doesn't, it won't make sense to everybody, but the first three layers are, is an oil um, that's covered in something else that allows it to stay in water suspended without rising to the top. And so that that's a weird thing when we start talking about that because we would expect it to rise to the top because that's what oil does in water. But um, being a nanoproduct, it, it can be suspended. But most nanoproducts, you start getting into a shaking thing to get it going. So, you know, they always have something like shake it before use or something like that so that we can have a product that's suspended and hopefully you're getting the same amount of cannabinoids across as a homogeneous thing. So that those are the first three tiers. The fourth tier is, it is no longer now, it's um, meniscus. And with that, you're messing with the size of the molecule. And so what we do is we start messing with actual the size and kind of like trying to get it to be the same size as water. So our system would be like a, a, a jar of sand where all the sand's the same and it's all in there and it's all coming and you don't have to shake it because it can't move around. It's just going to keep showing up the same way. That That's what we actually do. The, the best and the highest level is pharmaceutical grade and that that grade is expensive um i don't think it's at the point now that we can actually add it to the cannabinoids and get a product that's reasonably reasonably priced so that um it's available to all consumers the thing that you really have to work at is how do we put product into a can or a a jar jars have to be dark right because you'll change the cbd to a cbn if it sits under a you know fluorescent lights or any kind of lights inside of a store so you we're really looking at can development and um so that's been our biggest biggest problem is figuring out how you put it into a can and get it on a shelf and make sure that you know a year from now, if, if that can didn't sell, that it hasn't settled, it hasn't moved around, and if somebody opens it, it's going to be dispersed throughout the entire can. And so that's what we worked on for the last couple of years. We figured that part out. We're coming out in probably, I don't know, somewhere close to 15 million cases of product this summer. Um, will be on the shelves and you'll find it. It'll say powered by soul and you, and that's the name of our company. And we, we aren't really that happy right now. So we have a product, we 
it can work. And what we want to do is make it 100% organic. And now we're up against a wall. And we have been working on this for the last I don't know, five months now. And I think we have another six months to go before we can crack this thing open and actually have an organic material that can make cannabinoids water soluble. And that's what we're racing towards right now. Well, thank you, Rick. Thank you so much for that, that explanation as well and that breakdown. Then uh, real quick, before we move on to Alex, give us a quick breakdown of where we can find you, your socials, your website, what you're doing, how people can get in touch with you. You can always find us at Soul and You, which is S O U L I N U dot com. And that's our website. It'll get you to me. We would love to talk to anybody about that. So you can come either way um, to talk to us about water solubility. Thank you so much, Rick. And uh, yeah, then we know where to find you. And we'll say uh, thank you for giving us that breakdown on water soluble and how that's going to progress in the market. So it's been really, really good to hear, and I think a lot of people in Europe also need to get a bit more aware on that side. A lot of people looking at starting brands in that space who have yet to figure out, like you were saying, to find a good organic quality product that you can start working with. That's always a big struggle. So we'll take it on now to Alex, who I believe is also in touch and with growing this product that we're all talking about. Alex, how are you doing today, sir? Everyone's doing good. Yeah, my name is Alex Martin. I'm uh, one of the owners and the operations director for Lemonati Family Farms. We're uh, what I'd like to say premium prepackaged uh, cannabis flower company in Michigan. Like, and we do like seeds. Like, we don't name our products around cultivar. And we also do uh, seasonal themed releases around our products. Okay. That's an interesting one. Man. That's really really nice to see as well. That you guys are doing a little bit of differentiation so what are you guys seeing at the moment what are you growing what do you got going on what are the the new products that we should all be looking top, out for top three or the top three that's a good one it's done what are the top three things that you got looking on right now sir well we just wrapped up our conspiracy theory season so our biggest hitters from that one were our mandarin cookies aka mk ultra super lemon haze aka watergate um, and then the Fast and Furious, which is like that gun running conspiracy from the Obama administration that was uh, Colin OG. And then we just started our Zodiac season. So we got some ice cream cake, ice cream cake, wedding cakes, hurricane, a few new things dropping over the next two months. Hey, that sounds like a good lineup, man. I'll give it to you on that one. Absolutely. It's sounding tasty. We do what we can, but yeah, we also grow in recirculating deep water culture systems, which is kind of a, a niche cultivation method at scale. That sounds uh, like an interesting one. You want to give us a bit of a breakdown on that one? Yeah. So basically um, our plants are, the root systems are suspended in a water container and that water container is aerated and also the water is moving from bucket to bucket in a recirculating way. Um, what you typically see is because of the high oxygen rate with, at the root zone, the plants grow faster because they're able to absorb more mineral content um, at, a, at a faster pace. But we also use less fertilizers and about 80% less water than drained away as container gardening. Interesting one. Really, really interesting one, man. I was wondering, David, because uh, we had that little topic earlier with um, 
with beverages and CBD and what's going on in the space. We've just had Rick give us a little bit of lowdown as well on the water-soluble side. Um, there was a lady who was talking about drinks in the UK as well, but are you seeing any sort of development on that side? What's the kind of space in the UK like? Are we going to see a, a British tea-infused CBD? Or have we already got that? To foods and stuff like that, uh, if they're actually going to make it through novel foods, it's another question. So it's difficult to tell. It's, it's difficult to say sort of which which you know which products will remain and which will stay. But um, there's certainly room for a lot of health-based drinks. Um, tea. There is a guy in the UK um, that's sort of developed a lemon tea, but uh, it seems to be sort of more more international involvement with that than it being sort of focused at the UK market. Um, There's quite a lot of coffees now being sort of added into the catalogues. Um, not quite sure on the, the sort of the bioavailability there with the CBD when it's, you know, sort of infused with coffee. But um, we certainly, I think what I'd like to see is the introduction of more CBD and sort of, all the, all the, you know, all the plant-based foods and other botanicals and natural foods to sort of um, give people a bit of a healthy alternative. Not everybody wants to do, uh, not everybody wants to smoke it or put it under the tongue. Um, so food's a bit, bit more of an exciting way, I believe. So, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next six months. But there are also quite a lot of drink companies that are from what I'm being told, are trying to get into the UK space. But again, they're all waiting to see what happens with Novel. So, but yeah, um, thank you for having me again, guys. It's been great to uh, join up with you guys on this cannabis make thing. So, yeah, my name's Dave. Um, just for anyone that doesn't know, I operate a company in the UK uh, called We Can. Um, just working with people in cannabis to help them in, in any way, shape or form. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks for that little take, Dave. Appreciate that. And I think everyone is going to be keeping a close eye on the UK as the novel foods, uh, let me just say, debacle goes on. I don't really know what to call it at this point. A lot of people claiming they've gone through and a lot of stringent regulations that are stopping some people. But we're going to move it on here to Adam Kurtz, who's with Fusion CBD. How are you doing today, Adam? Uh, from the West Coast here. Thanks for uh, allowing me to hop on on stage here. Uh, things are things are going well. Um, we are uh, currently uh, forging ahead and opening uh, more stores up. Um, this week will be store number three in the last uh, ten months, and we hope to have another ten stores uh, under our Fusion CBD brand, uh, where we make ninety-five percent of our own products and uh, you know offer it to to the public. Um, We've been going on year number six now in the space. So we've been riding uh, the highs and the lows uh, of the last uh, you know, few years. We've had to reinvent ourselves uh, a couple times over. Um, but uh, I definitely uh, you know, was in intrigued with what you were saying, Rick, and about the you know, water-soluble. Um, it's definitely uh, a, a future as we look at different delivery methods um, that we can get to uh, customers. Yeah, you know, the water soluble is definitely a, uh, well, it was created to deliver medicine. You know, water solubility is to get medicine to cancer patients. And, you know, so it's almost like 
a no-brainer to bring it into the cannabis industry since, you know, we're probably one of the best fighters of cancer, even when you don't when you don't even know you have, which is the first beginning stages of it. So it's actually a great product um, to help in, in that um, medical arena. I I just hope more, more people keep trying it and, you know, not just keep look at the, the past and say, Hey, this is double weed or whatever, but it's, you know, for medical, it's it's a great thing, and as a water soluble, it gets all over your body, which then helps with inflammation and all that kind of stuff. So, it is a great great product, and I'm glad I'm kind of going down this path. So. It, yeah, and my question to you specifically um, are: What is the maximum uh, potency uh, percentage in in the some of your water soluble formulas? And is it in the acidic form, CBDA, CBGA, et cetera? Yeah, I, I pretty much can make almost all those things water-soluble. In the beginning, the, um, all the acidic forms were kind of hard for us to um, get the temperature low enough that we didn't decarbonate at that time. And, and that... Um, we, we solved that, so now we can do all the acidics and all the different products. And we run about a 90% body availability is what we're finding right now. We're doing some experiments with that to make sure that, you know, where we're actually hitting. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a great thing. The other cool thing about it is that, you know, you can be microdosing water-soluble all day long and decide for yourself exactly how high you want to be since it's you know you're the one getting high you might as well be able to dial that in to an exact thing so every drop of our product comes out with pretty much a milligram per drop um, which is an awesome measuring tool and you can see that even going through psychedelics you can get into a microdosing scenario where you can be doing this all day long and nobody on the planet would know that you're doing it. You can carry it right in your pocket. So it's really more of a precise uh, delivery method where we, people don't have to take as high of a, a dose, whether um, it be you know THC or CBD or other uh, cannabinoids. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, you know, that's exactly what it is. You know, like if you want to control how high you are, it's exactly what you do. Like I had a phone call yesterday, which is an outrageous phone call, right? They called me and said, Rick, I'm too high. What do I do? And I will like take some CBD and they were able to drop in with a water soluble CBD and they were able to take 45% to 60% of their high away and continue their day. And so, you know, if, if you were able to dial that in from the beginning, you wouldn't be in a panic mode. You'd be totally smiling, having a great time, you know, when you, you know, and you can get yourself to be, you know, pretty much high all day as a standard rather than doing these peaks and valleys that most people, when they get high, they get super high and then they come down and then they go, oh, I need to get high again. They go back up. And so you're going back and forth. And, you know, that, that's causing stress on your body and all the other stuff and getting some of these things like inflammation and fighting, you know, 
diabetes or whatever people are going through today and using cannabinoids, you, you want a constant supply of medicine to your body all the time. And, you know, doctors fight with that thing. Everybody fights, you know, like aspirins every four hours or every six hours, you know? So we're always playing this thing with drugs all, all the time. And the water soluble lets you dial it in and use it consistently throughout your day. So that's the idea behind it. it. It's really interesting where we're at in the industry overall. I mean, we're, we're at the beginning and yeah, everyone's battling it out, trying to create brands, you know, capture market share, push out strain of the, the month. But, but to really cater to the masses, this is the, the type of information that the general public needs and wants uh, so that we, uh, we, the manufacturers, can make better products and get it into their hands. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I'm so awesome that we do this in Oregon because it allows us to uh, pretty much do what we want in this drug, drug area and the government, you know, actually stands behind you and make sure that you're not going to all of a sudden get raided by the by the federal government to come in and stop you they'll stand behind you and, and it allows us to push this envelope um you know towards you know what we're looking for is that the final part of this thing is really to come up with an organic method so that it's you know it can be used in all products and and, and right now you know it's like we have some older people that you know are buying from us and they put it on their ice cream at, at night and, you know, it's great how people can figure out how to use this on a continuous basis rather than only having one way to do it. This allows them to do it any way they want during their day, which is that's a great delivery system. And, you know, they can go out to the food, bring out their bottle, drop some drops into their coffee when they're having breakfast or at night at the cocktails, dropping them into your cocktails. There's no difference you get the same delivery of this product all the time. So. Uh, and final thought uh, for Fusion CBD, people uh, click on my uh, bio and, and look at the picture. We've been um, working for about a year and a half on creating these vending machines. And we have some out in the East Coast right now. Uh, it's touch screen. Eventually, it'll be facial recognition. And it's for uh, you know cannabinoid uh, hemp uh, products. So it's something that we, we've been pushing. Uh, my name's Adam, Fusion CBD, and I'm done speaking. Hey, thank you, Adam. I really, really appreciate that as well. Uh, give us a quick shout again before we move on to Caroline, which states you guys are active in so anybody listening can shout like, oh, fuck yeah, they're here. Uh, yes, Adam Kurtz, Adam at FusionCBD.com. I am located in Oregon and we have uh, operations, home bases in New York State. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. Really, really appreciate that as well and uh, for sharing that and getting those thoughts going on. Man, vending machines is an interesting topic. I think we're going to be covering that one soon. That is something that has to yet make a break over here in Europe. But before we go on to that, I'll say hi to Caroline. How's it going today? It's just going great. Thank you for having me um, on, the, on the forum this morning. I'm excited. I am based in Oklahoma, and I am currently consulting with Ojai Beverages. It is a nano-emulsified, low-sugar low calorie, full spectrum, high terpene, THC seltzer. And 
I'm really excited about the product. I am a firm believer in low THC, high terpene content items in the cannabis industry. And so I'm just happy to be here and thank you for having me. I'm done speaking. Hey, thank you so much. That actually sounds super, super interesting. You want to give us a little bit of a a little bit of an idea or a breakdown on we're calling this thing the cannabis maker as well. So we got some interesting people who maybe want to ask questions, start a business in the industry, or those that are already running a business and are thinking of branching out. Uh, we're seeing a big, big growth in all of the kind of ancillary businesses and services, things around not touching the plant. Um, but yeah, any tips you can share or what the what the number one thing is that you would tell people right now in the industry? I would tell people in the industry, imperfect action. I think that we all become, um, we are too hard on ourselves. I think that we um, are sometimes too afraid to make the first step and we have great ideas and we have a solid business plan, but the fear of failure and the um, I really, the fear of failure and, and the fear of, of not having it perfect, I think limit us. And so I think in whatever industry you are in, when, when I start feeling like I'm holding myself back, I just think imperfect action, just get it down, either do the post, write the content. It does not have to be perfect. Nothing in this life is, and that can help you initially just get rid of the barriers. Absolutely could not agree more on that one. I think it's a it's a perfect way to also say of how we've been shaping things with Nordic Curb Zone and how we've gone about things. Well, a lot of the time people want to take so much time to, to make things perfect. And, and a lot of the time, I think there's something that a lot of cannabis smokers have. Maybe you are is like, okay, let me let me sit down and smoke a joint and think about it. And then you're sitting there five, six joints later and you're still thinking about it. And it's uh, not enough action, right? So that's a really, really good point to make. You can come up with a lot of shit, but it's nothing if you're not executing. You know, like that's the biggest problem with most entrepreneurs or people trying to make that thing is if you're not one step out of your comfort zone and failure is the best thing that can happen to you is is being an entrepreneur it makes you stronger makes you keep going trying to figure out those results and can't you know the hemp cannabis industry is like prime right now because you know there's so much we don't know it's and and we know a lot you know i've been in it for a long time but you know, it's nice to step outside your comfort zone, create some outrageous product products. And, you know, anybody out in the audience can do this. It's, you know, have a passion and just never quit. Just keep going until you come up with what you're looking for. So. Hey, uh, I will uh, just jump in there and say also the cannabis industry in general uh, and be able to have this conversations, these rooms, these gatherings and the way to network around the cannabis industry is not the same in any other industry. Uh, yeah, it's more of a real community and everyone is have a passion for this plant. Everyone is have a reason to push this plant forward. And I think that has a lot to say 
on how the community is growing and how it's pushing together instead of yeah go like uh, on the enemy side or push towards each other so yeah i think we've seen a real coming together as well and, and like i said the ability to to talk about it i know we were saying with dave as well a couple of weeks ago the uk space sometimes you don't have that much opportunity to discuss cannabis you can even in countries like norway you'll, you'll mention a cannabis business idea at the dinner table and people will look at you as though you belong in a mental asylum and it's 2021 and this is something that we're yeah we're seeing in a lot of places um but before we move it on to corey just uh caroline real quick i see that you're also into the cannabis marketing consultancy let people know where they can find you should they need help with that um, and where you're based. And then we'll take it on to Corey. I am based in the great state of Oklahoma. It's kind of the wild, wild west of the cannabis industry at this stage in the game because regulation is, it's fairly easy to get into the business. I can be found on Instagram under Terping Queen. DM me if you are interested in consulting or collaborating. And I... Um, I'm open and willing and excited to to help in any way that I can. Well, Terpian Queen, thank you so much for coming on as well and sharing that and having us uh, enjoy the conversation here, really. Thank you so much. Corey, how are you doing today, sir? Hello, guys. Um, how are you guys this morning? Doing well, doing well. We're doing a little bit of an episode on the Cannabis Maker podcast, hearing from people in the industry what they've got going on, what the challenges are they're seeing, and uh, yeah, just a little bit of a breakdown for everybody listening as well in the audience or later on on the podcast, uh, getting their brains taken on the cannabis industry, what they can be making, what they can be adding and contributing. So give us a little bit of a breakdown on, on what you're doing in the space, Corey. I'm from Northern California, a little above Sacramento. Um, <clears throat> I've made hash um, of all forms, solvents and non-solvents, and I'm a cultivator. Um, indoor outdoor greenhouse um the hard part for me has been um being young um just teaming up with good people i've tried to enter the legal space in california multiple times um you know left gardens left situations that were very good legacy market to try and get in and um, it just didn't end up working out so kind of jumping through the, the regulation hoops out here here in California. Um, they're not the easiest to deal with. And it's, you know, area by area, um, county or city municipality kind of judged. Um, early in my my legacy experience, I spent lots of time just trying to perfect the craft and get the best quality possible um, in terms of um, flowers. But I also spent a lot of time making different oils and helping treat lots of patients and um, seeing, you know, the good, the cannabis community, what the cannabis plant can really do for people. Um, and I just always felt it a shame uh, that like our federal government was, you know, allowing people to, to kind of perish to disease and not allowing them access to the plant. So I didn't really, didn't really listen to, to kind of what they said. And I have multiple friends and people in other states where, you know, they had, a head injury from work and workers comp and they took <laughs> cannabis when they started having seizures and for pain and then they got their pain meds taken away. And, um, I'm just really looking forward to some descheduling uh, on the federal level and the stigma kind of going away and everyone realizing that this plant uh, has so many benefits. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Couldn't be uh, couldn't be agreeing more with what you said on that one. We're seeing the big, big push for for the destigmatization over here in, in Europe. And it's a big part of what we've been doing with Nordic Herb Zone and, and pushing on and letting people also know that on the medical side, you know, legitimizing medical cannabis use, although it might be accepted over in the States or in Canada to a certain degree, it, it's still very much a topic uh, or, or an issue in Europe. Actually having the fact uh, or having people acknowledge that, that medical cannabis uh, is a thing, that cannabis does treat people on the medical level, that it has helped them overcome their issues and their, their illnesses. Um, but it's, it's still very much on the, on the education side. And I think the, the stigma is, is something that, I mean, we've seen it around for so, so long, but we're pushing it, you know, we, we have to go in, in all the different ways. And I think it's a, a topic that I, I'd raise to the room as well, if, if you guys want to want to chime in on, on where you see this is going, because I see a lot of push over in the States, in the Europe where we're making the, the strides here and there, but you know, so much of it is still on the gray side. So what are you guys thinking? If I could just add, you know, I try and use logic. I'm a very logical person um, in my point of view. And even being in, in California, which is probably the most progressive state. Um, yeah, just going to say people I know and people from, you know, this area that's supposed to be progressive still kind of look down on it. And uh, it wasn't until I appealed to the emotion. It wasn't until I had people that had family members or elderly people in their family get sick that it helped. And uh, then they kind of changed their tune. It wasn't logical. It wasn't facts put in front of them. It was emotion that kind of helped them. So once it's spread enough and someone knows someone they care about or one of their friends, someone they care about is helped from it, then I see it really, really starting to spread kind of organically grassroots. And I've seen that through through the country, you know, with different pockets of people I know and the stigmas they have on it. And you can show them logistics and facts and stuff all day, but when they see it or they feel it helps someone in their life and or keep them still alive, then um, then it really spreads organically because they tell people. Corey, thank you so much for saying all that you've said. I completely agree with you. I think that I got into the industry, you know, I smoked ditch weed in college and it was sometimes great and sometimes terrible, but I then didn't smoke for a very long time because of the stigma and because it was considered illegal and I'm fairly risk adverse and, um, and like playing by the rules. And it wasn't until my son who was 12, I have three boys and my, I have twin boys. And one of my identical twins was, ident was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia in 2019. And, you know, it just rocks your world. And you will do anything for your family and your friends and your kids. And so that's when I started to really research the um, cannabis world again. I watched Weed the People, and I would say that that was a really great jumping point into my initial education into cannabis, the endocannabinoid system, um, you know, pediatric cancer um, treatments with, with whole plant medicine. And it was a, it was a game changer. And it changed the trajectory of my son's treatment, and it changed the trajectory for the better for all of our lives and our family. And I think that it is going to take, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. I went to 
I had great parents. They did well. I went to a private school. I went to the University of Virginia. I lived in San Francisco and worked for Gap Corporate. I lived in Boston, was a, a trader before going into the med tech industry where I've been a consultant for you know 20 years. I, I am a Democrat, but it took me until the age of 30 to, to become one. You know, I live in a fairly conservative, affluent world and I think that the cannabis industry sadly still has a stigma of, you know, the stoners and the, the, the people who, you know, want to escape life as opposed to having cannabis be such an enhancement to life. I think that we need more people that are successful and who are from all walks of life advocating and writing letters to their senators and having lunch with their Congress people and, you know, really, you know, the two-pronged approach of, of working on the government side and then the grassroots side where they feel comfortable and confident um, posting that they are a cannabis enthusiast or a cannabis user, or they've used cannabis to treat their, their ailments or their children's ailments. And, and it's had a great effect. I think that it is going to take a mass amount of people doing that to continue to destigmatize it because it is, it is a game changer when you have a child that has lost, you know, 30% of their body weight and is in, is, is dying from the treatment of cancer, not of the cancer itself. And I just, I, I think that the work that we are all doing to further that message, it is only going to help, you know, continue to help raise awareness. This is Lee. I'm done speaking. That was so spot on. And, um, yeah, it, it will take people helping their family members for this thing to spread. Um, you know, it still has a huge negative impact when you go out outside of your realm of people, you know, and, and you start talking about, they'll kind of look at you sideways, trying to figure out what are you trying to push on me? What, what, are you a drug dealer? I mean, they, we're still all illegal. And even though, you know, it, it's breaking down those barriers, but they're still there. They're huge high fences for us to climb over all the time. And it's always great when we see um, older people doing it and it's helping them. And then they're telling their friends. And that segment of people between 50 and older is the fastest growing segment we have in this industry. It's, it, it's a crazy, crazy industry there. So. Well, absolutely guys. I'm going to, this is something that, uh, that we've really, really, yeah. I mean, a lot of us have to, to really kind of take it to heart. And I mean, sometimes we kind of, we get caught up in, in all the new stuff going on and what's happening here that we forget to kind of take a moment and really consider how far we've come in a space and, and what still is left to do. How many people have also been left behind, uh, and it, it's, yeah, we're, we're really going to be having a, a, another dive into that topic in a, in a full episode, I think as well, cause it deserves that space. Absolutely. Uh, and we've just got three new guests that are coming in now. So we'll take a quick second and welcome in. Hey brothers. Thank you. Appreciate uh, you having me up on the stage. Uh, yeah, my name is Corey. I'm the managing director of Resonate Cannabis Incorporated up here in the wonderful country of Canada. I uh, mainly participate in uh, large-scale cultivation, 
uh, operations. About 400,000 square foot is the max. Yeah. But I'm also open to uh, larger if you need it. So thanks for uh, bringing me up here, brother. I'm excited to contribute the best way I can. Yeah, absolutely, man. Before we move on to Canapams, I got to ask you that question then and say, uh, what are you seeing right now is the biggest challenge that you are facing? Biggest challenge is just probably consistency, you know. Uh, it all comes down to just getting everybody on the same page, uh, especially when you're in these larger facilities. Uh, you really want to try and uh, train everybody and make sure the messaging is consistent. Uh, and then also being consistent with the regulatory uh, aspect behind it. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge is just the consistency and making sure that, uh, you know, teams and everybody wakes up every day with the intentions to do the exact same stuff. So, you know, any, anytime you get uh, a large group of people together, there's always going to be those um, learning, learning moments. So I think that's what we're kind of going through right now. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Learning moments, I think, is uh, is what it's all been about in this space. And we spoke about that as well. And I think Rick made the, the really good point on, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes and failures are a big part of it. If we're going through this industry, you have to go through those failures and, and just learn along the way. Nobody comes into this space and makes it overnight into into something great without truly contacting and getting in touch with those people and building that community. I know we had it last time on a point of a lot of relationships in the cannabis space not being the typical pen and paper contract signing deal, but you really want to get on the same page with your clients or with your partners. You really want to build up a relationship of quality and trust and just have it sustained. And like you said, consistency, Corey, that's what it's all about, having that consistent, keeping it going. So thank you so much for bringing up that point and, and for sharing that as well. Let the people know where... Yeah, let the people know where they can find you. Tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll take it on to Pamela. Follow me on my Instagram there. Or hit me up by email, uh, Corey at ResonateCannabis.com, and I'll be happy to uh, get in touch with you and uh, discuss anything cannabis for sure. I don't charge all the time. Don't worry. I love to help out and get people in that right space of mind. So thanks again, Liam, for uh, giving me the opportunity. Appreciate it. Pamela, how are you doing this morning? Uh, well, good morning. Yes, it's still morning here, too. <laughs> good morning. I'm in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, most of you know me. Uh, I'm uh, Pamela Stegley. And for those that don't know me, real quick, I have earned degrees in horticulture. I am a 27-year life master horticulturalist. And I've been in the cannabis industry as income since 2014. Before that, I was into... Uh, the horticultural world outside of cannabis. So I have been an activist since 1969. That makes me older than F. So I went to a political rally because we have something going on in Oklahoma and I have to announce it. We have to start the conversation. Last week I got a notice that the House passed a bill that piggybacked on the back of veterans. We all signed uh, uh, our petitions here to add that veterans get a discount on their marijuana, their taxes, blah, blah, blah. So that's been moving through political arenas without anybody looking. So a week ago, I get a notice that they piggybacked. If you are caught sharing your cannabis with a um, anyone 
other than yourself, so your spouse, that's in any situ any situation, in your car, on those cameras, down driving down the street, in the park, in your yard, if you are seen smoking and sharing cannabis, it's going to be a two-year federal offense, $10,000 fine, two years in prison. Nobody was looking, so it passed the House. And it, also at the same time, another bill passed. Because Oklahoma is saturated, we have too many people. It was too cheap, too easy, too illegally to get into two, two, two. So here we are. We, they, somebody tried to throw a number at 10,000. If you put in your sales reps, we've got 16,000 people in the industry down here, and it's getting nasty because it's cutthroat. The prices are dropping. People are freaking out. Crops are failing. It's really a disaster, guys. It's a disaster. So no, everybody's doing their own business. A libertarian saw that these passed. A libertarian who does not consume cannabis reached out to the people writing 788 years ago. They're not even involved. Nobody's tooting the horn that they're going to try to make this a federal offense again for sharing. And that the fact that if you have a cannabis license as a dispensary kitchen extract you now it's a small number for you big guys. If you are not making five thousand dollars on an average, that they're going to shut you down. They're going to take your license, and that says that you don't have the opportunity to grow to be a big business. Now this passed the house, and a libertarian saw this and said it was unjust, and he called a rally. Out of those sixteen thousand people. 80 people came. Coincidentally, Instagram did not deliver the messages to the people who were trying to stir the pot. I got so many DMs on Monday saying, why the hell didn't I get this on Saturday? I'm like, I can't help you. But here's what happened. Out of those 80 people, there was no action taken. There were a few disposing shit that called down there. Come to find out, now it's going to affect the growers. So I had growers starting messaging me, and they're going... The new law says that we have to harvest 50 plants a month or they're shutting us down. So I'm trying to, trying to get this word out. Nobody showed up to fight it, really. A couple phone calls from Dispos, a few businesses called in to the you know political people. Not really anything, nothing big enough to stop them. Well, it passed. So now it's passed the House and Senate to make it a federal offense, two years imprisonment for sharing your medical cannabis. And if you don't harvest 50 plants a month, you're shutting you down. If you're not bringing in $5,000 a month average, they're shutting you down. So all that creativity they put in there, all these places that are now smoking on the patios and in the buildings and in the nightclubs, they're going to give a red light for every idiot cop in this state to arrest you for smoking our illegal weed. And we don't have anybody fighting the fight. There's no lead. And the fact that the they kept saying, Pam, we'll just vote it down when it gets to the verbiage. I said, it's too late. You let them set a precedence that's going to affect people across America.
And so oh, I got shit. a notice this morning saying that it passed. To the going to the voters now. The verbiage is there. And I'm I'm old, I guarantee you. I've never seen such fuckery in my life. This is a fucking problem, guys. Nobody's looking. I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to take the floor. I will take answers. I do have extractors and a few people here from Oklahoma that are agreeing to come on so you guys can find out from their point of view. Uh, let me see if I can ping Chuck oh, in. Absolutely. But if you want to start some conversation about this or anybody got any ideas, mm -hmm. you can hear I have panic kind of oh, in my yeah. voice because oh, I can't believe no one's looking. Pam, hey, is that $5,000 in revenue or $5,000 net? Um, I, you know, I know it's a low number. Look, and, you know, I have people say, oh, my God, they should shut down anyway. But just let me paint this picture. Oh, I'm not, I'm not trying was, to marginalize the situation. I'm just, I was just wondering about the particulars. I, you know, at this point, I'm just gathering the big information and hoping that people will start looking I, you know, I'm new here. I came to educate. I, I'm a horticulturalist. I'm an educator. I worked for NASA in, in horticulture. I came to educate a new state. And here I am. Here I am. Oh, God. Oh, God. Pam, thank you so much for speaking. And you, I could not agree with you more. I think it's a travesty. I think that they slipped it in under the wire and they were total sneaky bastards in doing On so. On the back of the vets. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, are you surprised? So, you know, when you have a governor that is an anti-vaxxer and did not believe that COVID was real and still doesn't, I was at a basketball game with him and the entire, everybody on both sides of, of the stadium were required to wear a mask. It was at my children's school. And he was the only one in not in a mask. And, uh, you know, that side, uh, th these are the people that we are dealing with in Oklahoma. And these are the leaders in Oklahoma. And they are extremely conservative. And they want the tax revenue. And they want the revenue generated from cannabis. But they still want to stigmatize it and make it very punitive. Because their constituents um, and their conservative constituents, you know, still think that it is just a, a horrible, um, a horrible sign driving. Well, can I mention for-profit prisons? For-profit prisons. Right. right. And that Oklahoma has one of the highest female, it does have the highest female incarceration rate in the country for uh, petty uh, crimes, including, you know, minor Dude. possessions. Dude, and it, sorry to say this and interject terrible. this. I heard somebody murdered last night, two fucking doors down, one street over. I'm standing in my bed, bam, 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 bam. I'm like, fuck, I hit the floor. And then I heard the people screaming, and then the sirens came, and I'm like, I gotta get the fuck out. I, I, Holy shit. I, I think that this is a common issue. I think not that, that I'm, that's terrifying. I'm sorry to not be sensitive to that. That is just, it's awful. And I hope that they are okay and they did not end up dying. But back to the topic of, of the conversation is this is happening across the country. And this is, you know, maybe it's happening in Oklahoma now, but 
in states that are starting to deregulate. And this is going to be happening everywhere where they're going to slide in bills. I, I think collectively it would be great if we could piggyback and take notes from the get out and vote, the campaign that, you know, got a psychopath out of, out of office. And I'm sorry that I feel that way, but I do. And if you are a Trump supporter, then, I, you know, well, don't follow you me. Know, I, okay. Whatever. But, I, but that aside, but, but, but that aside, just let me, let me finish for two seconds. Yeah. So let me just finish. I think that in the cannabis, the cannabis industry is so segmented in certain parts and, and it is still relatively new, obviously in Oklahoma, but just nationally, if the cannabis industry could come up with a campaign that was, that could help bring more awareness, destigmatize, and, and figure out a really good game plan to get ahead of these types of amendments that are being slid into bills. Because like I said, it happened in Oklahoma last week. It is going to happen in many other states, um, especially oh, the more honey, it happened states. this week. It passed the next level. It passed this week. It passed last right. week, the House. It right. passed the Senate this week. Right. And, I, and so I'm just, I, I would love to open it up to other people to say, what can we do collectively in the industry to destigmatize, to, you know, have, have an organized consensus panel, you know, group, advocacy group, you name it. And I know that there are many advocacy groups out there, but what can be done to protect the makers, to protect the growers, to protect the cultivators, to protect the dispensaries so that this type of thing doesn't continue to happen. I think we need someone that is more close to these people that takes the decision that this, where this, this information is coming from in the first place and then we have to have that person reaching out to all, a different bunch of groups uh, that is all everything from the growers to extraction to the patients to everyone and try to reach the most in the shortest period of time. Yes. Uh, uh, no, I'd actually love paid to... Paid position? Who's going to do that? Uh, nobody came to the rally. Nobody came to the meetings. They didn't come. I, I'm only ten, two years, ten months here. And they see me as an out-of-stater. And they see me as causing trouble. So it's not me. Unless you want to pay me to do it. At this age, I'm sick of doing this shit. I can't believe the verbiage is backed up. This is worse than 1970 at Kent State. What I'm gonna what I'm gonna do here is open it up a bit on the on the global scale and and bring in Forzana as well, who I know is in the UK um, and is one of the the first legally prescribed medical cannabis patients uh, in the UK, who's been fighting a long, long fight. Um, with with United Kingdom specifically on medical cannabis, on educating patients, on getting doctors the right information. How are you doing today, Forzana? I've come in a bit late, so I've joined the conversation. I'm not sure what the topic is. But, um, yeah, thank you for the great introduction, Liam. I'm trying just to ensure that all the patients that need medical cannabis or prescribed cannabis can have access and understand the processes and just simplify it for doctors and patients and bridge that gap so we don't have such a disconnect and we can sort of build a trust. 
And so patients can get access to this powerhouse of a medicine. Nice to see you again. I'm Kenna Pam, and I'm making a horn toot here today because in the state of Oklahoma and the U.S. of A., we are, have verbiage in the past the House and past the Senate that's going to make it illegal to share marijuana. And it's a two-year, It's they're touting a two-year sentence, $10,000 fine, and they piggyback that on top of a veteran bill so that they can get cheaper uh, medicine. So it passed. Uh, the other bill is going to take away medical licensing for uh, dispensaries that aren't making uh, $5,000 collectively a month. Uh, and then the growers are going to be demanded that they do 50 harvest plants a month or they're taking their license away as well. Wow, that's actually really scary. And so when did this come into play? Or is it coming into play? In the last eight days, it passed the House and the Senate. No activists were rallying. It went right by. Nobody's looking. I don't think that anybody knew. I had no idea until you said something earlier this morning. I think that there are going to be a lot of blindsided people in the industry because, you know, and... I could be so much better about, you know, getting ahead of these things as well. But I think that we all get crazy in our day-to-day -day lives and we're trying to, you know, some of us are working two jobs with three kids. And, and I think that a lot of, you know, people are in the same, same boat. And I think that that's why I think that it would be great to organize a, some somewhat like a collective where we all, you know, these things are put onto a, a national, you know, website or forum where we can get ahead of these things. Because like I said, I'm completely blindsided. You know, these things are going to continually happen. I've been in the straight for a long time, ended up going to jail for it. And, you know, there's still a lot of people in jail. And legislators, you know, are, are really not always the answer to everything, even though they run our lives with, these made up stupid laws that they do on a continuous basis. I think that our industry globally will change um, some of these legislators when we get more doctors actually believing in what it can do that, you know, they don't just stand behind their white coats. And even though they read, most of them have read research on this, and they still choose today to not get behind the product, even though they know that it's right. Even the United States government owns all the patents for the cannabis plant. And why would they do that? Unless it had these values that needs to get out there. And, you know, these are, these are tough things when we go two steps forward, five steps back. And then you got to fight again. And, you know, but that's what we have to do. I, you know, I've been fighting um, the stigma of this product for the last 60 years. And do I think it's going to change overnight? No, I, I, I think it's a long battle. And just remember, even though it's been around forever, we're on the first floor of a hundred story building. And we haven't even taken a, the first step to climb to the second floor. And that's, if, if you keep yourself there, then you, you realize the amount of work 
that's going to be taken um, around the world. This isn't just a local thing. It's global. And if you keep it at a global stage, you start realizing all the rules that are being pushed now in front of us and to get, you know, novel foods and, and all these different types of things that get thrown out in front of us. And then we don't even know, can we get through this? Is this something that we can do or can't do? And, you know, the, the regulations and the hoops are constantly going to be put in front of us. And it's keeping your eyes focused on where you want to go and accepting the crap between now and then. And you have to keep fighting. And it never should you stop fighting because it's always going to be a problem for us as we grow this, you know, illegal item, even though it's legal now in lots of states and lots of countries, it's still considered illegal in the eyes of the legislators. And, you know, they, in the United States, they tax the shit out of us. Last time we were taxed this high, there was something like a tea party thing happening in some bay, um, you know, and there you go. And, and, And we're in the same place. We're in the exact same place as this overtaxation for something on our planet that's supposed to help people. And the government's just trying to like put rules and taxes in front of us so we can stop. They can try to slow us down, but we got to keep doing it. I'm, I'm waiting for lawsuits. I'm waiting for the cannabis industry to join forces and start going, no, you overtax us and fight back. And I still see that a few years from now because everybody's kind of like still happy that they got their license. Isn't that and, the truth? And, and, and that's what we're going to wait for. And, and it's this ongoing battle that we're going to have probably, hopefully I get to see this before I die, but you know, it is a big long battle and, and you got to keep your head focused to where you want to go, not to where we are. And I am sorry what's happening in Oklahoma. And it's in one part, and it's going to sound really bad, but in one part, it's a great thing to realize that they can do this behind our backs because that allows everybody to open their eyes and start realizing that, you know, maybe we can't change Oklahoma now, but we will in the future. It will change to a place where we can go back and say, yeah, not acceptable. And those legislators that are doing these stupid things will no longer be with us. And, you know, we'll we'll keep going because this is not going to end tomorrow. It's going to this is just the beginning. Right. It's the first floor of a hundred floor building. You better believe that. And we'll get this stuff done. So I'm Rick and I'm out. I don't mean to be a pessimist, but I honestly don't see much changing until we change campaign finance laws outside of ballot initiatives. I mean, the legislatures across all the states are going to do whatever they want. And like, I hear everyone on like wanting to form these coalitions and these things and whatnot. But at the end of the day, the industry is very much segmented into big business and smaller craft producers. And we are not on the same page with what we want done on the legislative standpoint. 
that is where the saying cannabis industry versus cannabis community comes in. I don't think that the two have to be mutually exclusive. And I do think that there is, you know, I, to piggyback on what Rick said, and Rick, you are a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for sharing that. I had a conversation yesterday with my brother-in-law. He is a great, great person. One of the best people I know. He is the chair of urology at a very big medical school. He, his specialty is urological oncology. So he deals with bladder cancer, kidney cancer, prostate cancer. So it's a, a huge market. And so we got on the subject of what was being taught to med students um, regarding the endocannabinoid system. And he said, still nothing. Nothing is being taught to, you know, there's still no education going into nursing schools or medical schools around the benefits of this plant. And so I, I then went on, you know, and he knows that I'm a cannabis enthusiast and that it has helped um, Harrison, his nephew, my son, you know, by it saved his life. I'm convinced of that. And so one of the first drugs that they prescribed after Harrison went through nine different um, uh, antiemetics that did not work was they finally prescribed him a legal drug before medical marijuana was legal in the state of Oklahoma. And before, um, um, before I had my caregiver's card and my medical marijuana license, they prescribed Harrison Marinol. Marinol is um, prescribed by oncologists often. It was developed for the treatment of AIDS um, and it is a appetite inducer and it, the active ingredient in Marinol is THC. I don't know how the pharma world got around the loopholes and around the regulations that we are all faced with in the medical cannabis world, but somehow they did and it is prescribed often and it is used often. And I asked Jeff about it yesterday and he was, um, he said, I prescribe Marinol to so many patients. He goes, it is a great medicine. And so I asked, well, if that is legal, why is more not being done? And you've seen the effects of how well Marinol works with your patients. Why is this not being studied more on a global scale with your, with the oncologists of the world? And it is, it's still just, it is a stigma. That is, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And it's sad and it's upsetting because they're seeing this one particular drug that somehow is legal um, work so well. And so I think it's going to be, to your point, Rick, I think that we've got to change the viewpoints of the doctors and the nurses and people are going to have to just demand it. And because they, they see how, that product has worked. And a side note of Marinol, I have really great health insurance. It, you know, it covered my son's cost of Marinol. Uh, we then went to another product because Marinol has such a high THC content that it, it, he was not able to, to function. I mean, he was funny, but he was not able to go to school, you know, while under the influence of Marinol. And so I, it, I think there has to just be a major shift and they have to start teaching this in medical school. One thing I am excited about is this is the first year ever that, um, and no disrespect to men, but this is the first year ever where there are more female medical students than male medical students. And sometimes it takes a mom with 
a, a passion and a cause to get shit done. And if these doctors then have a child that is diagnosed with cancer and their treatment options are dismal from the synthetic standpoint, you can bet your ass they will definitely go to the cannabis route. And it's just going to, I, I wish that it was a faster moving ship and that we could affect change faster, but um, you know, they are using it. They're using Marinol and Marinol for people that don't have insurance. It's around $500 every time you get a, a 30 day supply. So it's limiting to so many people who don't have, you know, $500 to spend on a medi- medication that they so desperately need. But it's just interesting that that is legal and that's prescribed in states where medical cannabis is not used, but yet medical cannabis and cannabis as a whole still has a stigma. That's it. I'm done speaking. You know, it's like, it, 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 it's going to take all of us, you know, as a group to, when you go to your doctors to request, you know, like, you know, that you want to use cannabis as part of your medicine. And, you know, it's those requests that get doctors and nurses out of um, giving you shots that you don't even know what it is. Um, you know, a lot of people show up at the hospital in an emergency situation and, you know, they'll give you shots without your permission. And, you know, which all those kind of things kind of hurt us. And when you go to the doctors, we kind of like trust them to have all this information. And and I just want to make sure everybody realizes that you need to fight for your medical, um, how you're being treated, what you actually want, that if you want something organically, are you going to just keep taking whatever everybody gives you? And, you know, it's going to take people going to their doctors and requesting to be on a a cannabis regimen and, and to look at more natural ways of healing ourselves other than these, uh, pharmaceutical only, um, derivatives. So, and, you know, just, just make sure that y'all realize that we're on a long journey. This is not going to happen tomorrow. Nobody's going to change. Doctors aren't going to all together around the world say, yes, cannabis is our solution. This is not going to happen. It's going to take a long time. And after that, it's going to take even a longer time to get legislators to actually agree. And, you know, when their pockets aren't lined and, you know, they're not being told not to do it by the pharmaceutical industry and other industries that do not want to see us um, succeed, both in the hemp industry and the cannabis industry. And I separated those right now because um, the hemp industry has a lot of different products ahead of it where, you know, the cotton manufacturers are not really liking hemp as a, as a fiber. So you can see that it's being fought on many, many, many levels all around our world. And, you know, hemp can't save our world. The people behind it can't. And, you know, that's who we are. And, and we all have to get out of our comfort zone. We all have to move, you know, towards a, a place where we want to go and not just stay in the background waiting for somebody else to do it for us because it's not going to happen. And obviously, with the Oklahoma thing, you can see that, you know, 
as soon as they can, they twist the law and get rid of it again. And we all have to keep fighting forward and spread the news, fight forward, you know, take your time, bring your friends with you, but get out of your comfort zone. You got to get off your couch, turn off the dupe tube and, and get in these kind of conversations. And just today, if you all go out and talk to five people that don't know about cannabis and the health benefits, if you all just did five people, that that's an amazing accomplishment right there. That that will spread the word that much farther. And if every day you did that, it'd be an amazing thing that happens in this industry. Uh, that's all I have to say. I'm out. Rick, thank you. Thank you so, so, so much for that. Uh, I think we definitely have a, a, a lot to learn and a lot to look out for. And a, a lot of those points that you made are, are extremely, extremely valuable for, I know people in the audience here and the people on the stage will, will definitely, definitely appreciate that. And I think when we're especially talking on the medical side and, and how this is, uh, how this is really going on the, on the global scale, it would be a nice point in time to welcome up G Williams to the stage. How are you doing today? Afternoon room. Hi, David, Corey, Alex. Oh, there's, there's so much stigma. Hi, Rick. And, um, it gets me very upset because we don't have these barriers in the UK so much in London. And um, I am G Williams. I'm the founder of Room D Superfoods for Kids. Our foods are based using Chondrus crispus, hemp, and also cacao. And we are opening our first brick and mortar store in April. And this is literally one of the first CBD hemp stores opening in London, UK. I am also the editor-in-chief of Femme Herbalist magazine to bring out awareness of what we're all doing. And someone said it's about, it's so funny because the women are more coming to the forefront because I believe, and it's something that we really need to make aware, especially all over the world, people do not understand how powerful this plant is. It is related to so many I'm just upset because I'm hearing about what happened in Oklahoma. And I think it's something that it's really difficult for me because my son has autism. And since he has been on CBD, he is now talking. He is now eating. He's, you know, his micro, his gut microbiome has totally changed. I am a master herbalist. I'm a nutritionist. I'm also a holistic practitioner. And for me to see even changes within, within my own child, and to know that families are being taxed, are being forced to live in different states in America, it really does break my heart. Because I get so many families and parents from America contacting me to send them products, and I cannot. Because one, it will take away my license from my hemp farm, which I have in Ireland. And two, everything will lead back to the person who's sending it, and that's me. So this is why I also come into these rooms, and I connect with so many amazing people, especially David above. And, you know, to get the product and awareness out there, because it has totally changed my son's life. I am autistic myself. I'm Asperger's. My IQ is 157. And since taking CBD, I, it's just gone through the roof. And it's just literally something that we also here in the UK need to understand. There needs to be more education transferred throughout the generations and the new millennial generation to understand what this plant does. Someone's talked about 
the endocannabinoid system. We need to talk about that more. We need to talk about homeostasis. We need to talk about the blending of the products and using them correctly and also dosages because this is something that is not talked about. And this is why I'm bringing out the magazine. And I've connected with so many amazing ladies and men. It's called Femme Herbalist. Men can also contribute, but it's focused more at ladies. Therese down there, she's amazing. She is a master herbalist also. So, you know, we're coming together and whether it has to be ladies that I need to connect with across the world, I don't care. I'm in the UK and I'm here to stay. Remedies is now, I turned down Whole Foods and Holland and Barrett in the UK because I don't believe I want my products to be commercialized. I want my product to be understood educational wise. That's why we've opened our own store. So thank you for bringing me to the stage, Liam. And God bless you all. And I just, I'm here to fight the fight with you all to, to let people understand that this plant needs to stay and it does not need to be taxed. And these children on the spectrum need this. Thank you, guys. I'm G Williams, and I'm done speaking. Thank you so much, G. Do you mind just sharing as well where people can get in touch with you, where they can find you, find out more about what you're doing? I'm also known as PCOS Cocoon. I help ladies with also PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. But in my bio, you will see the link to the page, which is Rumidy. And also when you get to Rumidy, you'll also see Rumidy Calm. Because another thing, you have to separate certain products because they contain hemp in them. So it's www.rumidycalm.com or www.rumidy dot com okay if not just dm me and one of my vas will get through to you and send you some links and free samples are also available or we ask is for postage and packaging to be paid thank you i'm g williams i'm complete thank you so much g i really really appreciate that everybody knows where to find you and hit you up and uh, all the other speakers and guests have been sharing those details as well we are coming up on close to two hours for this podcast segment, and I just wanted to reach out a hand and say thank you to every single buddy who came in here today as a speaker, as a guest. The amount of knowledge that you guys have shared, the amount of calls to action that we've had, the amount of tips and challenges that have been shared, its it's been incredible. And I just wanted to say thank you to everybody for coming in. We're going to be hosting the Cannabis Maker podcast pretty much on the regular from now on and um, it will also be airing on Spotify. I'll be sharing to the speakers with your consent if that's all right as well. I'll be messaging you about that and we'll be sharing it on the other platforms. So thank you so much everybody for coming in today. We really, really appreciate that and thanks for being part of the Cannabis Makers. Thank you so much everyone for coming in there and sharing all this value with every one of us and all the listeners we have with us today. And on the end there, I'm just going to drop in and say if anyone uh, that are listening wants either organic hemp papers from Nordic Herbson on their farms, cones, long papers, short papers, rolls, what, whatever it might be, we can help you out with that. And we also do hemp packaging for other brands and businesses, farms and restaurants. Uh, we do cannabinoid oils, single cannabinoid oils, so we have CBD, CBG, THCV, if you want to stay focused, CBG, if you want to get back on track with your brain and yeah, get a good night's sleep. So grab yourself a product or set merch from nordicherbson.shop, nordicherbson.shop, 
grab yourself some NLZ merch and we love all the support you guys are throwing at us. Merch, merch, low. Have a good one. Stay high, stay happy.